The Locker Room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So we're back. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the Locker Room. And we have a, a big guest. Uh, our, big hitter. Yeah, big hitter. Big hitter. He takes care of business. <laughs> and uh, he's a teammate of ours. And, uh, and when, we just we, love this guy. And we say just a great running back, and we love him, love him, love him. Uh, Merrill Hodge, welcome to the locker room, Merrill. <laughs> it's good to be back in the locker room with my good brothers. Uh, How are you, boys? You yeah. know what's fun is, and we've been getting, um, I guess it's kind of been dubbed the Legends series, which uh, for me it's like anytime they talk about Legends, I'm always going, well, you're minus one here. <laughs> but the fact is, uh, but here's here's the thing about it. The beauty is guys coming together years after you right. hung up your cleats, so to yeah. speak, and you have the memories and you have all the great stuff that went on, and it, it's a beautiful moment. Merrill, it's just really fun to talk to you each and every time. Well, boys, I sure appreciate it. And uh, my life <laughs> um, is impacted. I'm, I tell people all the time I'm a product of a lot of people. Um, and um, obviously you two are, are part of that process. Um, that's what's great about the, team, the game of life is uh, people that come into it, um, how they impact it, the, uh, the difference they make in it. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the – the uniqueness of football. Um, I know you guys could appreciate this. It, you know, it extends outside our locker room. I mean, locker rooms that you have, there's closeness with the, in the teams. Yeah. I'm just using this example. Dak Prescott, get, you know, got hurt this year. The way he got hurt, you know, everybody who's played the game feels for Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just there's a connection there because the the empathy and sympathy and the pain, you know, you feel that. Um, uh, in fact, I sent something to Dak because I mean that's just how. You know, I just, you know, that's how the game is, you know, regardless right. of, of of who you're playing for. When you get hurt, that brings every player together, no matter what organization you're a part of. So, Merrill, um, you know, one of the things we uh, talk about is uh, the 89 playoff game of uh, against the Denver Broncos when you had, uh, what did you have, 160 yards? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, uh, and uh, Dennis Smith kept going. We gotta stop Hogue. We gotta stop Hogue. And I and and, I, and it was a timeout. I was going. It's Hodge, you idiot. It's Hodge. Hodge Hogue. He's we we're making him look like Jim Brown. Uh, you know what's funny? You know uh, about that game in particular. Um, I, I don't know if you guys remember the touch um, we put in a play called sixteen U. Right. It was it was the most I hated that play. We never ran in practice worth a dang. We were terrible at running it. I think I have a fifty yard or fifty three yard run in that game. Okay. That was sixteen U. I remember when the huddle was called it was like third and third and eight, right? We're on their ten yard line. We'd already had a penalty, it's backed us up. 
And we get, I hear Bub call 16U. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, this is not going to work. I mean, we're going to go further back. <laughs> that was my whole thought process walking the line. <laughs> we got no shot. <laughs> it's go, game over. Game over. It's done. <laughs> we're going to lose. Oh, my God. 53 yards later, I was like, well, maybe. Yeah, that, the game was, that was a special game. I mean, obviously, um, I wish we'd have won it, obviously. Um, you know, that is a typical game of doing everything right. In the, well, I'm, I'm actually, that game is an example of the only stat that matters in, in football, the only stat that is really significant and does give you to about a 90% degree of success of winning in the National Football League, and that's turnovers. It's yeah. the only stat that matters. You know, it's the biggest stat. It's the most consistent stat. It's the most – it's the one stat I, that I know is relevant. The rest of them are just numbers. They're numbers to say something that mean nothing other than uh, they don't speak to the wins and losses like uh, like turnovers do. And we just had too many of them, unfortunately. No doubt about it. You know, one of the things I always remember about our time together was sometimes – Remember in the huddle how you used to you, – sometimes Bubby would get all excited and he had that thick Cajun accent going on, and every now and then you had to translate for Bubby? <laughs> People don't know. Listen, I used to call a lot of plays and call a lot of timeouts. In, uh, in, uh, in Tell the, the truth now. You're telling the truth, brother. Exactly. I was like – I remember one time – I remember one time we got a line of scrimmage. This is – um. You know, it was in Cincinnati. Actually, two two of the funniest things that ever happened. We were playing Cincinnati at night, and uh, we got in the huddle. We called the play. We got off the line of scrimmage, and they gave us something that we just we it was not going to work. When we I go, Bob, you need to call timeout. He's like, what? I go, you need to call timeout. <laughs> so he call, he you know he gives he doesn't say timeout. You know he gives up fuck timeout. You know throws his hands in the air, goes over sideline, comes back. And he said, hey, man, thanks a lot. He goes, I didn't see that. <laughs> and he's like, so next, next, next series, right, we get up the line of strength. We call the play. Uh, no, 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 take it back. He gets to play in the huddle. He walks in the huddle, and he doesn't say anything. He calls timeout again. He goes to the sideline, comes back in the huddle, and he said, hey, uh, he was third and about 10 or 12, whatever. He goes, hey, they called the screen. No offense to you, because they're going to throw it to me. It was going to be a screen play. Yeah. He goes, no offense to you, but I'd like to go down the field and get a first down here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds so Bubby-ish. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is classic, man. He's the best. <laughs> so when we were playing in Philly, you got hit by Seth Joyner. And uh, something <laughs> happened, uh, yeah. and, and uh, you you lifted up your uh, your jersey. That's and you embarrassing. Said, and That's you said, embarrassing. You didn't have to do that. To yeah. Him. <laughs> did I poop my pants? I said, yeah. Well, I'm going to say this, Tyson. you know, whenever everybody goes, you know, figuratively, you got the crap knocked out of you. You know, now I can literally say that happened. Um, but <laughs> if we want to back up. Um, Seth Joyner and I just had – he and I had battles. And you know, I'm not saying – this happens no matter how long you play, as you guys know. Right. Nobody wins every battle. Right. There's going to be times you can get your butt handed to you. That happened to me many, many times. <laughs> but in the scenario with me and Seth Joyner, I just always won the battles. The, the game before yeah. this, this game we're, we're talking to, I ran an option route. We're on the sideline. And he come up to tackle me. And I used Chuck Knoll, same foot, same shoulder, rising blow. I mean, I depleted him yeah. on his sideline. <laughs> on his sideline. And, you know, I get another about five, six yards anyway. 
Well, this same scenario happened in Philly. And I remember when I turned up Philly, I'm like, this is like deja vu. It can't happen again. <laughs> but I do. I strike him in the same manner. And uh, with the way I hit him, actually, I'd be pleading even more so. And I, as I'm running down the field, he regained balance. Anyway, he jumps on the pile at the end. Right. And I, I mean, I freaking lost it. Like, I'm not, I don't come out to start things. I don't talk trash, but yeah. I, man, my fuse is short. He jumps on the pile late and starts jawing me. Man, I snapped. I remember Reggie White grabbed me and held me down. I, remember, I, I didn't know it was Reggie at the time. I was like, who is on me, man? Like, I'm <laughs> into the ground. I'm like, I, I can't even get up. And I get up, and, you know, Reggie, he's like, yeah, no, brother, let's be guys. It's all right. I'm like, no, man, all the way to the huddle. Said Joyner's mouthing off. So we get in the huddle, and it's third and long now. It was a draw play. And I remember Bob, uh, no, that would have been Neil. I think Neil, I can't remember who was our quarterback at the time, but they had me the ball. And I'm telling you, it was like Katie bore the door. I mean, Reggie Brown's coming, Reggie White's coming. I mean, Jerome Brown's coming, Reggie Wright's coming, and Seth Joyner's coming. And I'm thinking, okay, I ain't getting a yard, but I'm going, I'm not going down easy, right? I'm going to strike these two as hard as I can strike them. When I hit them, when I tell you this, that every, every, everything in my entire body just collapsed and gave way <laughs> and i felt i felt my britches fill up and I'm like, oh, no so i get to the sideline and i'm i say i was standing next to tunch i said hey tunch i go look around my pants i go i, I think i grabbed my pants he goes, i go could you look at that and i he I, I trust does this little like you know drive by he goes no you did <laughs> hang on i pulled my shirt up and i bent over the like, oh you cracked your pants <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's what I was asking the first time. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I hate when that happens like that. personally. <laughs> and and then the referee told you to tuck your yeah. Uh, yeah. jersey in and you lifted it up and he said, uh, okay, okay, you don't have to yeah. tuck it in. That's not going to happen now. I go, I'm find me because this is not going to happen. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the thing about it is those memories are so precious when you get older, even when it's – Having a bowel movement while you're on the field, the fact yeah, is, yeah, you know, the the thing about it is that's that's what draws everybody to the game are the memories, really. I mean, yeah. when you come out, you just have all those great memories. And what is what is some it's of the like, who are some of the significant people that uh, kind of you you can point to along the way saying oh, they made a difference? You know what I mean? Well, but just say, I mean, Chuck Noll made a difference in my life. He's the greatest man I've ever met. Yeah, I mean, right. I know you guys had your experiences. Right. Um, we could we could do a whole show. Actually, do weekly on Chuck Noll. A great Absolutely. Life. He, was, yep. he was a fabulous man, a terrific leader with great integrity. Uh, Walter Payton was a significant impact in my life. I like I can think of Joe Green stories, Donnie Shell stories, Mel Blunt stories. Um, you know, I you know we didn't play. For, I mean, play with Donnie, um, but. You know, not, not John um, or Rocky, but I mean, just because of how the impact they still have, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, um, in our on our environment. But I'll tell you this: um, actually, you two are significant in my life. Now, Wolf, I have a story <laughs> about know. you that oh, no. is. It actually, it, it this is maybe one of the greatest experiences that happened in my life early on. Um, you're part. You're you're responsible for, it. Oh, um, no. and it was also a great learning curve for um, what really goes on in the National Football League and with veterans. And it also showed just how different the West is from the East, and how how really green and innocent I was. So this is my rookie year, 
And you can all attest to this that around October, when you have a, you're having all these football little um, midget football banquets, um, you have committed to speak to that probably in the summertime because right. they've reached out to you, right? Well, I remember Pat Hanlon came over to me after practice on Friday, and he said, "Hey, uh, Wolf, uh, he's got got hurt in practice, and he can't go to this mid- speak at this midget banquet." <laughs> and then my first thought was like, "I'm just wait a minute. Hey, I just got them practicing. I didn't see Wolf hurt. I'm just happy." Now, I'm a rookie now. Keep in mind, okay, so I've only been around for like a, a several months. But I didn't have, uh, ask questions. I was just like, well, sure. Let me, and, you know, this back when you don't have a phone, you don't have GPS. Right. You know, they hand you directions, and you got to get there. So Pat Hanlon, who's one of the great PR directors of all time, as you guys know, he's the head guy of the Giants now. Yeah. So and he could talk to you doing, doing everything, anything, anywhere. Okay, he, <laughs> yeah. he could do that. Too. So I <laughs> – I gather all the information really quickly because I got to go home, change, and drive. And I got about an hour drive ahead of me. Now, I start to drive home, and I start thinking about the message I can share. And I start thinking, gosh, dang, I, you know, I've been in Pittsburgh like five or six months, but I have not seen a midget anywhere. And I start thinking about the league they must be running. And I'm like, oh, you know, you got to have at least 11 midgets per team. If you want a reasonable team, you got to have, you know, five or six you know, at least teams that make the the league legitimate. I'm like, good for these guys to, you know, be playing football. Um, I'm like, I can imagine those little pads. And, um, I just like, good for them. Good for them to, you know, do. So I, I felt like I had a good message for them um, because, you know, they were not going to let um, something, I mean, they're not going to let their size um, affect playing the game, which I loved. I was like, you know, that's what life is about anyway. So, I have this message all lined up. I go driving up there. I can't find the place. Okay, it takes me forever. So I'm about a half hour late by the time I pull in. I pull in. I, I remember the lady was sitting at the like the receptionist out there at the right. table, you know, and she's like, and I said, hey man, I'm, I'm Merrill. Like, oh my gosh, we're so excited you're you're here. She goes, they're, they're waiting for you. She whisked me in the room. I know I'm at the right place. There's a big banner in the back. Welcome, Craig Wolfley. Right? So they got <laughs> they whisked me up on stage. I'm telling you, they introduced me. I stick a microphone in my in my mouth and uh, my hand, and I'm like. I'm looking around and I'm like, I, I see all these families and little kids running around. I go, there's no midgets anywhere. I'm like, and it hits me. I'm like, oh man. And in Idaho, we call that little league football. I've never heard of a midget league in my <laughs> life. It's the first time I've ever heard. Of uh, uh, <laughs> I'm expecting to talk to a bunch of midgets about. And I'm like, little pads and, you know, good for you. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, now I, I don't know what to say. So I, I tell them. I tell them the story. I'm like, I thought I was going to speak to midgets. <laughs> I, here's what happened. Here's what I was thinking. Oh, no. And I'm still, still to this day, I'll run into somebody at Giant Eagle, and it's usually a mom. And then they're standing next to this big, big, big kid right there. Like, hey, do you remember when you came and spoke to? And I'm like, ah, oh, the midget lady. Yeah, that's the funniest thing we heard. But I had this. I, oh, man. I've never heard midgets in my life unless it was a legitimate midget. Oh, God my dang. goodness. Now you got to refer to them as little people. Now come on. Well, I know. I, well, 
But when you hear midget football, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, wow, this is good. But I was like, good for it. I'm like, you know, you would think you would see one or two because, I mean, that's a, you know, to have a league, that's got to be a lot of them. But I was like, well, I was definitely, definitely incorrect. I've never heard that one. <laughs> no, no, I didn't hear that one. Oh, Craig Wolfley, because of Craig Wolfley, that whole thing happened. And I'm like, and he wasn't hurt. He just didn't want to go. Was that, that it? <laughs> you, you, you commit, and then it's late October, and you're like, oh, I'm being banged up. The store, I don't have to all that. Work. What's, the, who's, what's the dumb rookie here? I'll go, go do it. Hey, no, Will. I can only say what 35 some years or 30 years in 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 with the you know down the road thank you Merrill. <laughs> sorry about that yeah, I, mean, I, I look like a complete fool with every <laughs> i gave i gave him i did give him the midget speech on my presentation i, I just guys i had nothing else to say i had nothing else i was I was just so taken back by all the little kids and family like, what is this yeah so, so Merrill, um, when you suffered your severe concussion in Chicago, what was going yeah. through your mind? Well, I got to tell you this, Tunch. I was uh, such a wreck. I mean, I went in. Uh, um, I went into cardiac arrest. I, a lot of people don't know. Yeah. That on my second one, you know, I was in intensive care for. Explain the whole situation, Merrill. Just so that well, this some is one people. Thing that's, yeah, yeah. This is one thing that's very misunderstood. Concussions didn't end my career. Um, improper care for head trauma ended my career. Mm. And that's a critical thing to understand, even to today's world, because really right now, football, sport in general, are the best and safest environment we have ever had in the history of sports with right. the protocols that are in place, with the equipment, with all the instruction, and action that should be applied to any type of head trauma in any sport. And for parents listening out there, the leading cause of head trauma in the entire country is tripping and falling. So it's not even sports. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so um, it's very good to know and educate yourself on on proper care and how you treat it. Well, I had a concussion on Monday Night Football in Kansas City when I played with the Bears. My my severity. Here's the two signs of severity for head trauma: cognitive recall um, and stability. Well, my cognitive recall was some. 12 hours delayed. I mean, meaning in 12 hours, they could come to me and they could tell me a few things, come back a little bit later, and I wouldn't even remember talking to them. Okay, that's severe. When you're almost 12 to 24 hours later, like that. Now, I get cleared to play over the phone five days later. Mm. Now, the Bears at that time didn't have the expertise, and they were not in a situation like the Steelers where you have Joe Maroon, your head neuro guy, um, doing cognitive testing. That wasn't happening in Chicago. And um, that type of care, even in 1994, was considered archaic. Right. You didn't get cleared over the phone. You at least got an evaluation. But that, that kind of showed you how each team, every all these teams were really individualized in that particular injury and, and the lack of true massive education and information. That being said, I get cleared over the phone. I'm playing five days later. And I still had, I still had a headache. There's a lot of symptoms I had. However, I didn't know they were symptoms got to remember what's happening in 1994 we're in 2020 so i take another hit very similar um and actually they're facing fixing my face mask uh repairing that because it had been bent and i guess they were talking to me and i just wasn't responding and that's when they were like oh we got to take you so they took me to the locker room i remember i think it's vincey glenn if i'm ah, not vincey glenn uh, but it was a linebacker that who actually played with us in pittsburgh he was in, in chicago at the time he came from dallas 
I remember he was in there with a bad ankle, and I, mm-hmm. the only thing I remember, he asked me, he goes, how are you feeling? Because you, oh no, he said, you okay? And I remember, like my eyes were fluttering. I could feel them fluttering. I, and that's the last thing I remember. Um, so wow. I went into cardiac arrest. They were trying to resuscitate me. They said I actually got up and walked to the ambulance. Yeah. But I don't remember mm-hmm. any of that. I was in intensive care for a couple of days. But then I went through a lot of, well, serious depression, um, uh, and just a whole host of things that were arduous with the recovery of the severity of the concussions that I'd had back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And um, back then they didn't have – a treatment and a way to repair and help you recover physically and cognitively, which they do now, which is another thing people need to understand. Though there is treatments for this. Some of the best in the entire world is at UPMC and Mickey Collins. Yeah. Some of the best, you know, and we have it throughout the country, but good care and treatment for it and ways to recover and repair yourself so that you can return back to your environment safe. And I use environment because that could be in your home, slipping in the shower, your backyard, not, not just sports. Where's where it happens, but there's treatments for it. And, uh, but it took me, you know, I remember Joe Maroon. He, I went back to see him and he, once they, um, they did my baseline test again, because I'd been doing cognitive testing in Pittsburgh. That's why I chose to go back there because they weren't doing it in Chicago. So I could be reevaluated. And I remember when they retired me and it said that I couldn't come back and play, which actually today I could probably could have with the treatments that they wow. gave today. Hey, Merlin, they told me, Two years. They told they gave me a two year window. He goes, We'll see what you like in two years, how you recover. So um we was a long battle. Hey, uh Merrill, you wrote a book and it was great. Uh so what are you doing now? are you promoting that book or uh what are you doing now? Yeah, well Tunch and Wolf, I uh, I actually my, my real passion is motivational and inspirational speaking. I, I, I do about thirty five, forty five a year throughout the country and just um I absolutely love that. You know, you mentioned the book, Find a Way. It really the foundation of my message is off of. I just did the second edition. I just launched that um, here a few months ago. And before that, it was Brainwashed, which was about really what science says, what the true science is about head trauma protocols and care. And I'm also building an app, ironically, that um, will help really sports, but really focus, too, on families with head trauma protocol and lead you to care. So a combination of mm. um, guidance, guidance with, with if it happens and leading you to care and helping you through the treatment process. So um, working with that right now, and, and I do some stuff for the Steelers on their social platforms, which I just, I love. And um, I created a way to play program for the NFL that we launched a few years ago. And I'm actively a part of that where we recognize a player every week about how well they're playing the game because 99.9% of them play the game at a high level and a good level. There's an occasional bad play here and there, and that kind of gets focused on versus um, the 99 percentile that these uh, players are doing it well. You know, when I watch uh, you on Steelers.com, one of the things I love is when you break down with film work. You're, you're, it's so good, and last week – what you talked about, about eliminating Derrick Henry from the running game, was spot on, bud. You know, And you see this game coming up. What's your quick thoughts on that? we got about three minutes left or so. Um, yeah. What do you see with the Ravens? Well, I'll I, I tell you this. I, uh, when I look at teams, see teams win championships. You know, I always hear people, oh, offense, defense wins championships. Like, I've never seen a Super Bowl where the defense plays the whole time. Never seen it. Never seen an offense play the whole game. Mm-hmm. Teams win championships, and the more phases that you have to your team, and especially offensive, defense, and special teams, the better you're going to be. Now, when I look at the team, there's 
Well, I think the Steelers have the advantage. They have more phases to their offense. When you look at the Ravens, the one area you must neutralize is their quarterback. Right, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. And, and not just when he um, – not just from, from, from escaping the pocket when he's passing, throwing the football, but their actual designed runs. And the Steelers did the best job – against them in a tight game, aside from maybe the Titans they, um, in the playoffs, of defending Lamar Jackson, um, not allowing him. And here's the most dangerous thing as you watch this game. If you give him an escape route vertically right away, it's going to be trouble. There's a serious chance of danger there of him hitting his head on a goalpost. But if you push him <laughs> laterally, if you can push him laterally initially and force him to stay lateral, you have a chance. And that's what they did last time. They were extremely disciplined. And when I say disciplined, you know, everybody's got to be disciplined. But the thing that the Steelers did really well and the teams that have played him well and not got exposed, they see the handoff happen. Because they do a lot of ball action and ball mm-hmm. handling. And you can get ahead of yourself and react to something that didn't happen. You know, like a reverse movement or the back getting if you see the handoff then you react you're going to have a better chance of being successful because it's going to keep you in position of where you need to be because you got 10 other guys to help you based on where your position is and the Steelers did that great you know the first week um last year i think week five yes they, they were just terrific yes. at handling that and i expect that so that's a big part of you know them winning this and their their offense is so versatile and very complex with in the passing game and running game that when you have those different options, you have a much better way of attacking a defense, and that's why I think they they have the real advantages with the way they can move the ball with so many different ways offensively versus what the Ravens have at their disposal as far as phases and their their running game phase is incredible, but their passing game is is not really um, to the phase level you probably need when you face teams that are this close to you. Hey, uh, Merrill, do you remember when I came to Chicago and we had dinner, uh, uh, the, the Monday night game between this, uh, the Packers and the Bears? Tunch, I don't. You don't? I, I swear to you, I do. I'm like, I am. You know, there's a lot of win- a lot of stuff in that window I don't remember. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm like, and that, when you, I heard you saying it on the, on the air, I was like racking my brain. I'm like, holy cow. Because there was a window after one of my career, there was months there. Yeah. I, I didn't recall, and it's still hard for me to recall um, things that happened then, but I, I did not remember that. When you said that, I was like, how could I forget that? We we had a great time. <laughs> well, somebody did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure I I'm sure I had a great time too. I just don't remember having a great time. Let me, let me ask you oh this: Did did do Dunch? Did he pick up the check? Is that? <laughs> yeah, that's the. Video. That's probably what he, he did. He picked up the yeah. check. Yeah. <laughs> he took you out and had you pick up the check. <laughs> you couldn't remember. Well, I, you know what? Then I, I owed it to you because Dunch, you are you are one of the great teammates of all time. I tell people really quick story. I don't know. If, a lot of people know about Reggie White. Yeah. We're down to and a I minute, buddy. I'll make this quick. I, I talk to players all around the league. Okay, this is not just isolated to Pittsburgh and, you know, or homers, and we saw it. Okay, nobody has ever seen Reggie Wyatt get stunned. I mean, literally staggered off of a off of pressure like Tunch could with, mm-hmm. with his punch. He hit, he hit Reggie Wyatt, and I saw Reggie Wyatt buckle, I mean, and just about collapse. I am, I'm telling you, nobody has ever did that to Reggie Wyatt. Nobody. Absolutely. I can tell you how many players when I talk to them about it, I like Tony. That dude could strike you, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
And when he did that to Reggie White, that was just legendary status, my good brother. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks, uh, Merrill. We love you, buddy. Thank, Thank you, you so you much. Man, you you're just so awesome. Much. God bless you, bro.